Would you agree with me we live in a very stressful time? It's an uncommon moment in world history. Pastor Ray Bentley says, in uncertain times, we can be certain of God and His plan. There's a purpose, there's an assignment. You are a child of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to reveal Himself to you. And you experience the joy of the Lord, the presence of God. You're not affected by the stress of the earth, but you're filled already with the anticipation of the joy of heaven. Amen? Spread news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. News organizations excel at bringing bad news. There's a saying in that business, if it bleeds, it leads. How do we respond to bad news? With good news, even better, the good news. Today, Pastor Ray shows us how God wants to fill you with his joy. And what's more, he wants you to share that joy with others. Grab your Bible and open it to Matthew 23. We're in the middle of a message Jesus gave. This is during his, the last week of his earthly life from Palm Sunday. And then he began teaching in the temple Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday before uh, Friday and Passover came. So these are his last messages. And he is now addressing the Pharisees and you know the religious hypocrites. And he's saying, woe unto you. Woe to you, scribes. And Pharisees, hypocrites. So this is for all the last 2,000 years. All of the hypocrites, you know, the Pharisees, he, his two words that he uses over and over again in this message are woe and then hypocrites. So woe to the hypocrites. For you pay a tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And here are the heavier matters justice and mercy and faith. And then Jesus says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So here, what I call it is Jesus warns us against majoring on the minors. Uh, the Pharisees were constantly majoring on the minor issues. They literally had rules for every area of life. And they were the most stressed out people on the planet. God is about relationship. He doesn't want to bring stress into our life. In fact, he wants to do the opposite. He wants to take our stress away. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. So this is a warning. Jesus is giving a strong warning, listen to, for the church, against legalism. Because legalism leads to stress. And Jesus did not come to bring stress. He came, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, okay? So legalists are sticklers for details, but they're blind to the areas that are really most important. Now, let me say this about legalists, Pharisees, and hypocrites. They can actually be theologically correct. They can be saying, no, the Bible says... And they're landing on it and they're hammering you and they're pounding you and see the Bible says. But by their attitude, by their tone, they're actually abusing the truth to manipulate you, to control you, 
uh, to use stress in your life, and that's what people are rejecting. In many ways, what I have found is people are not rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the people that took what he said, and they're putting their own thing on it with heaviness and guilt and shame and manipulation and control. Like, well, I need more stress in my life. Like, I need a, you know, a toothache. No, I don't want that in my life. So it's abusive. So now, Jesus is talking about tithing and what they did about tithing, and I wanted to say this. This is, so I want you to look at Matthew 23, 23. This is Jesus' only comment in the entire New Testament on the subject of tithing. And what Jesus said is, this you ought to have done, but don't leave the other things out. So I wanna take a few minutes and talk about tithing and giving and what's that all about. Giving to God is choosing to see his divine presence and favor. So on the one hand, he's rebuking them for their hypocrisy, their pride, their legalism, their attitude and guilt and shame. On the other hand, he's saying, now what you did by tithing, you actually should have done. Now tithing is actually in the law. And the law said, you know, to the nation of Israel, you are to give a tithe and you are to give a tenth or 10% of all your produce and everything that you have and to bring it into the Lord's storehouse and to honor him. But when Jesus came, he delivered us from the law. We are no longer under the law. The law does not save us. It is not our pathway uh, to salvation. We are free from the law. But here's what I wanna share with you. While it is true that uh, tithing is actually in the law and we are no longer under the law, I wanna also mention that uh, tithing did not begin in the law. Tithing actually began with Abraham some 4,000 years ago. I wanna go to Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. Let's read this out loud. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now that's Abraham, gave a tithe to this guy, Melchizedek. So here's the story. Abraham's like 75 years old. He's in Ur of the Chaldees, ancient Iraq. God speaks to him and says, hey, I've got a promise for you. I've got a land for you. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna reveal, I'm the one true God. I created everything and I'm gonna bless you and through you bless all the people of the earth. So follow me. And day by day in relationship and intimacy, God led Abraham toward the promised land. So while he's on the way, he's got a nephew named Lot. And he's responsible for Lot, who didn't have a dad at that time. And then Lot gets in trouble and he gets taken as a slave. And, and so Abraham, you know, he was kind of his uncle, but he's also like his only spiritual dad. And so he gathers 300 and some men and he goes to war with these groups who have captured Lot. And he defeats them. And on the way back, he meets this interesting character named Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a king and he's also a high priest. Did you know that later on when Israel became a nation and then David, you know, and then Solomon and the kingdom of Israel, very specifically God said, look, I want the government over here and I want the Levites and the priesthood over here and I don't want them to mix. And I don't want a king being a priest and I don't want a priest trying to be the king, separate them. But here what's interesting is, here's a man, his name is Melchizedek, 
which means God is our righteousness. And he's from the city of Salem. Salem is the original name of the city of Jerusalem. And so he is the king who is righteous, who is both a king and a high priest. And he comes and blesses Abraham. Now, Melchizedek comes to Abraham, who's just won this victory, divine, supernatural victory. And the king, who is also a high priest from the city of Salem, brings Abraham bread and wine. Who in the world is this guy, Melchizedek? Do you know that most Bible commentators believe Melchizedek is none other than Jesus in the Old Testament? Literally, in other words, this is very exciting. We think of Jesus who had to wait till he was born in Bethlehem, but there are a few times in the Old Testament, apparently he was so excited about coming down, he came early. And then later when Jesus in the gospel would say, they go, Jesus looked, his appearance looked older than he was. They go, well, you know, he said, because when Abraham saw me, he rejoiced to see me. Do you remember Jesus saying that? When did Abraham see Jesus? Maybe with Melchizedek. So Abraham got down on his knees and received from Melchizedek bread and wine. What did Jesus give to the disciples at the last supper? Bread and wine. Yes, I, I know that I, my victory uh, and that I have lot and that he's safe is because it's from God. And he goes, I wanna honor you and I wanna worship you. There was no law, there was no you know, requirement. There was the 10 commandments hadn't been given. The Old Testament at that point hadn't laid out what all the 613 commandments were. But intuitively, Abraham honored him, Melchizedek, with a tenth of everything that he had. It was voluntary. It was an, a way of acknowledging everything I have really is yours, but I'm honoring you with what's called the first fruits. So then look at Genesis chapter 15. This is the next story that happened in Abraham's life. Right after he met Melchizedek, let's read it. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you were able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. You know, follow the train of thought here. Abraham bowed down, got on his knees, worshiped the Lord and demonstrated that all everything that I have is from you and I honor you with the first fruits of 10%. And as immediately as he voluntarily began worshiping out of that tithe, the next story is God gives him a divine revelation. And he looks up into the stars, God speaks to him and says, so shall thy descendants be. So here's, I wanna tie that into one more verse in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three, verse 10, where God challenges his people. Let's read this scripture out loud. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So here's where God actually said, he goes, I I wanna prove that I am who I claim to be, that I'm the creator and that I have everything and I can take care of you and here's how I wanna prove it. I want you to bring your tithes. I want you to choose voluntarily to come in, tithe to me, bring it into my storehouse testing me. This is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, test me. Usually he's testing us, right? But God says, test me and see if you do this, if I will not open the windows of heaven to you and pour out a blessing upon you. 
Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realize he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. It is true, we are not under the law, legalism, and there's no legal requirement, and it's certainly not tied to salvation. You don't have to tithe, you don't have to give anything that you, you know, God wants us to give freely, voluntarily from our heart. But I wanna speak to you from my own experience as a spiritual dad. You know that I got saved, you know, at 10, and then I started, I got excited about the Lord. I started teaching Bible studies. I felt called to ministry and to be a pastor. And I poured my soul into the church, you know, Bible studies and marriages and funerals and counseling and teaching and Saturday morning men's prayer breakfast was in our house. Wednesday night Bible study was in our house. We rented the gymnasium on Sunday mornings. I mean, I was 24 seven and we were poor, very poor. And so I wasn't tithing. And I said, Vicki, I can't afford to tithe. We can't afford to tithe. And she looked at me and I'll never forget what she said. She said, you're a pastor. We can't afford not to tithe. So I was like, oh. So then I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I write that first tithe check, waiting for it to crash so I can say, see? (laughs) Didn't work. Guess what happened? We made it. I don't know how we made it. Because on paper, it didn't work. So then we go to the second month. I go, well, then it'll catch up to us and it didn't catch up to us. And then the third month, we would get little, you know, little envelopes with some money in it. We get checks in the mail. One, actually our first year, I paid my taxes the whole year, which didn't make, you know, I I didn't have anything. And at the end of the, the year, the government sent me back every penny of my taxes. They said, you're, you're in the poverty level. You don't need to pay taxes. So I learned in my own life and I kept, it became funny, like kind of like, God, it doesn't work. I've looked at it on paper and God would always provide. And he'd say, see, you're learning something. I'm teaching you something. And all of a sudden it wasn't just our little, you know, financial deal, but then it would be like taking a step of faith. We can't afford to do that. The church budget, it doesn't, you know? And I said, yeah, but God spoke to me. And this is what I learned from my pastor, Chuck Smith, from the biblical, it's not a verse, but it's a truth from the Bible where God guides God provides. So I bought land. We bought five acres for $500,000 on Black Mountain Road. We couldn't afford to do it, but we went ahead and did it. And then, you know, we got a loan for the church. And then we financially, we couldn't afford that payment. But as soon as we stepped into it, every time God kept out giving and blessing. And I have found in the 40 some years of ministering, I have never been able to out give God. He always makes up bigger, higher measure. Can I hear an amen on that? So now, 
you know, we got this campus, we've, we got 15 acres, we've developed 10, we got another five to develop, we got a school down there. With, it's just gone, you know, from level to level to level. So what I want to say to you is, I want to challenge you, uh, not legally, because if you do it that way, it gets weird. But if you do it willingly and from your heart, like Abraham did and taught his son Isaac and then Jacob, uh, God says, test me in this and you will begin learning God says, I'll show you my ways. I'll give you divine revelation. I'll open the windows of heaven and it'll be absolutely incredible. I want to leave with this scripture on the whole subject. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six and seven. Let's read it out loud. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So listen very carefully. I don't want one person to go from this and say, well, Pastor Ray said I had to tithe, blah, blah, blah. No, I didn't say that. You don't have to do anything. And whatever you do is between you and the Lord. And every time I take a step to bless God or to honor God or to give to more, he always provides above and beyond all I could ask, hope, think, dream, or imagine. But what's been important about it, it's not legalism, it's not obligation, it's not tied to my salvation, but I've learned about my dad. I've learned about his ways. God is so in love with teaching me to be like him, which is he's concerned for others. Not, we don't need to worry for ourselves. It's very liberating and very powerful. Okay, so let's go on to the next couple of verses here. Uh, Verses 25 through 28, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, Uh, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus uses the illustration of, you know, platters, uh, plates and cups or whatever. So imagine you have friends come over, you make the best meal you've ever had in your life, and then you go get the dishes that were from last night that you didn't wash, and you bring out the dirty dishes and put their food on it. How, how would that go over? Not so well. So that's what, what he's saying. He goes, look, you, know, you, you clean on the outside, but you're dirty on the inside. God will have no part of it. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Not just about looking good, looking holy on the outside. It's about who we are on the inside of our heart. That's what God is really interested in. God wants to cleanse from within. You are the vessel that he wants to pour his nature and his character into, amen? Okay, so let's go on to uh, verses 29 through 36. Peacemakers are God's children, but persecutors are the devil's children. Verse 29, but woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves, and you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, Jesus calls them, brood of vipers. 
How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, scribes, some of them you kill and crucify, some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation." You know, we always think of Jesus, he's, you, you know, he, he's nice. This is not nice. He's calling these guys vipers. He's calling them snakes. They're, so they're the children of their dad who is, he's calling them the children of the devil. And you are guilty of murdering the prophets and, and all of this and that same spirit is within you. So how do I say this? Be careful with a religious spirit. A religious spirit, a critical spirit, a pharisaical spirit, they can be right on all the you know, doctrine and the Bible says this, but in their tone and their attitude and their heart and in their motives, it's all wrong. And it's all something that Jesus was totally and completely against. Jesus emphasized that our heart is right with God, that our heart is clean before the Lord. They were concerned about the externals and the Lord is concerned with what's going on inside of our hearts. So I wanna just uh, leave you with this. Oh Lord, deliver me from all this stress. So Luke chapter 21, verse 34, let's read this out loud. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Would you agree with me? We live in a very stressful time, very stressful time. Paul writes in the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 24, because he was a religious hypocrite. He was a woe Pharisee. He was exactly who Jesus was talking about. Here's the good news. He repented. God turned that guy around from being a religious bigot to actually someone who became a son of God. So let's read this out loud. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Look here, you all have an assignment. You're not here just to you know, work at your job, pay your bills, save up some retirement, live your life, and then you die. But there's a purpose, there's an assignment you are a child of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to reveal himself to you. And you will find joy when you know your gifts, when you know your abilities, when you begin using them and you experience the joy of the Lord, the presence of God. You're not affected by the stress of the earth, but you're filled already with the anticipation of the joy of heaven. Amen. So I love this in Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Let's read this. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Good encouragement from Pastor Ray Bentley today here on Maranatha Radio. Glad you're along for our study series based in the Gospel of Matthew. Today's study is titled, Driving Stress Out. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com.
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join us for a special edition of the program, a conversation with Pastor Ray's widow, Vicki Bentley. It's a moving conversation. Join us here on Maranatha Radio, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.